This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is a special edition iFanboy podcast on Justice League versus Teen Titans. I fanboy podcast on Justice League versus Teen Titans. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I am here with Paul Montgomery. 
Hey, Connor, how you doing? <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. And Ryan Haupt. Hi. It was a hypothetical question. We are the iFanboy Animation Brain Trust, and we've reconvened to discuss the latest DC Universe animated original film, as we have been doing for years. Some of us feeling better than others. <laughs> I had a cold last week, so I'm, I'm glad we're not recording this then. I've had many colds in the past, so I know what it's like. I feel for you. This, this, my voice reflects how I feel about this film. <laughs> so, uh, we, Should we all be doing that voice then? We're discussing that. <laughs> this film, there's going to be some spoilers. If you haven't seen the film yet, please pause the show and come back. It's better for everybody, and uh, let's just get into it. When we talk. Since this since this is an animation uh, podcast, can you, can you do me a favor, Connor? Can you yeah. can you say thanks for noticing me? <laughs> thanks for noticing me. It's good. So uh, this is the latest in the incontinuity stories, the ones that use the same uh, Nude Fifty Two characterizations, the same actors, the same. Well, and, and before we get into it, it's kind of weird. I was thinking about this after the movie. That I mean, obviously, everyone knows who pays attention that that movies are. Obsessed with turning the television, right? Every, everything is serialized. Everything is in a shared universe, right? So you can see why they decided to do this, but it's not really serialized. It's some of them are from like one to another, but there's not like an ongoing story happening here. There are certain elements that feel very serialized. There are certain callbacks. There, it's the return. This is the fourth or fifth movie with Dick Grayson's gold chain. Yeah, well, yeah, um, we'll get to that too. We. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and there, there, and other things like uh, like Rachel Gould turns up, and that's like a direct, you know, there's a direct line between that and previous films. I, f- I totally forgot he was killed by Deathstroke. Apparently, yeah, I don't remember, remember that, that at all. Was terrible. This is also like the fourth or fifth one starring Damien, which yeah, we're gonna really yeah, yeah they really think that he's the hook, and mm-hmm. I don't know why they think that. All right, well, so Damien is the through line. So right? yeah, he kind of is. So we. We discussed last time with, oh crap! What was the last one? This is how my brain. Is uh, working, correct, Bad correct. Blood. Right, Batman Bad Blood, which was another Damien movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had high hopes for this because it was written by Brian Q. Miller, who was one of our favorite comic book writers. Yeah, you said on the the Pick of the Week podcast that this was one to look forward to. Right, <laughs> and this is uh, as we discussed, you know, way back in the, in the old days. He's one of the few writers, well, maybe one of only two that's ever really got two. Damien, They're exactly Damien two correctly. Yes, Grant Morrison and Brian Q. Miller. Uh, this is also written is co-written by Alan Burnett, right? Who's had his hands in in several of them. Directed by Sam Liu. It's their team. They've, at this point, basically, they've got their yeah. their production team that does all these movies the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think my biggest problem with this was that I went in with high expectations. Because of Brian Q. Miller, I really thought this was a mess of a movie. Yeah, it's kind of all over the place, yes. and um, and then like you were saying with the sort of the movie to TV stuff, like this feels like it could have worked as a mini series or like an arc, like one of their yeah. short. Yeah, arcs. you know they did this show called Young Justice, and it was actually really good, and mm-hmm. it actually did a good job of serializing things. And at no point does Dick Grayson wear a gold chain, and. Uh, <laughs> My wife and I have been watching it because she'd never seen it, and it's, it's very good. It's very good. Yeah. And she, she's enjoying it a lot, and I'm enjoying it a lot. And why don't they just make Really that good show? and very ambitious, too. What, it is, what yeah. Like the, some of the stuff of, that they tackled. Yeah. Well, and a lot of the, like like the, the Flash TV show, there's a lot of Silver Age goodies in there for fans who know what they're looking for, which I enjoy. And I found myself actually thinking of Young Justice while watching this because... 
it's really too bad that this is the take on the Titans. Yeah, this did not do justice league to the Titans. Or the Justice League. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, well, yeah, I still I still like the you know, the costume designs for the Justice League. That was good, but that was the same as before. Um, but yeah, Young Justice, like, the team felt small, and it, it felt, like, really incohesive. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of chemistry between the Titans. Like, it was kind of just Starfire trying to hold this team together of characters who didn't really seem like they should be on a team together. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's I think it's hurt by some of the connective tissue that they're trying to maintain between these movies, but then there's so many switch ups between each movie. Like I mentioned some of them, like Rachel Ghoul is dead and that plays it. That's a, that's a direct callback to a previous one, but then also like Dick and Starfire's relationship is totally different. Yeah. It's so weird. Then it was portrayed in bed, but like they were like star, at least Starfire Starfire's characterization was like they were actively, you know, into each other, and yeah. it almost seemed like Dick was hiding the fact that he was Nightwing or Batman at that point, basically, because that was what was going on in Bad Blood. But here, there's a, I, I kind of like the the just the moments of just total weird. Just when this movie goes off the rails, I kind of liked it. Yeah. Um, when it takes itself too seriously, I wasn't so much into it. But there are just the I, I found the carnival sequence kind of endearing. Just how okay. So that was, it was I wanted to talk about that because that just came out of field it does literally like in the in the script of the movie itself starfire just bolts upright and says like oh we'll go to the carnival and then the next half hour of my life was a bad pop punk song and bonding experience what was interesting about that was that it was so unlike the filmmaking choices that they make in these films it was very cinematic and you know it it was a scene out of a teen movie as opposed to it didn't I liked it for that reason. I want to know what band that well, the was. The song was terrible. The song is terrible, but like I kind of, like it was kind of interesting because that was like this weird sort of pop punk emo kind of thing that was yeah. big around like 2002. It felt and, like, like so I was in high school again, but I was ashamed. Right, exactly. You're like you're like yeah, I could almost imagine that music coming up on a bad, you know, soundtrack back then. Yeah, it was like it was, was like if you took Good Charlotte or Newfound Glory and made them even poppier, right? That's basically what they were going for, and they pulled it off. <laughs> a dance, dance revolution sort yeah. of yeah. thing is, between is that still popular? Do, Beast Boy do, do, and the teens still I, dance I think, DDR. I think other things have usurped that. Like there are other rhythm games that Angry the kids birds. are into, but like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, so it felt like a it, like very of its time that isn't this time. <laughs> it's like it, it felt like very twelve year old kind of decisions. So what? Let's uh, let's try to figure out what the plot of this movie was because it was very overstuffed. I yeah, feel like, so, I feel like nothing got to breathe in it because it was Tim, so. Wait, so first of all, between between the Justice League and the Teen Titans, I mean they're they're in the title of the film. You've got a lot of characters, and really the yes. Justice, Justice League is not in it very much. No, um, that felt for, very that felt very forced. We've um, talked about before the reason why they kept to keep putting Justice League and Batman in the title of these movies, even though they're not really the star of them. But I mean, they were right. just, they were just hardly in it. I, I liked the yeah. opening, here's, here's liked the, the plot. opening sequence with them. There was a good sequence. Damien is a precocious youth, as he has been in every previous film. Yeah, but he's not a time, team player. He's he's <laughs> not that. Like Batman is trying to introduce him into the Justice League and. 
And which um, seems ambitious. Which mm-hmm. seems ambitious. And um, hey, they got Captain Marvel. He's a ten-year-old kid. Right. And there's even I, I, like some of the the weird scripting stuff. The, there's even a line explaining why Green Lantern and Shazam aren't there. They're like, oh, so yeah, it's too weird. bad they were too busy to show up. And like, just why don't you just gloss over it? Just like why like why even bring it up? It just brings attention to the fact. Again, Young Listen. Justice did a great like had built up that dichotomy of having Shazam on the Justice League and not a member of the Teen Titans. Yes, it did. That was a that was a very good episode. Um, and why that is maybe also. why that works or doesn't work. And right. this this just ignored it. So okay, so then Bruce makes Dick take Damien to Titan Tower and there he meets Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle, and Raven and Starfire and Beast Boy. And they don't get along also good. So then they go to a carnival and they get along slightly better. And then Raven's dad, the Demon Trigon, starts taking over members of the Justice League, forcing them to fight for all of a few minutes before then teaming up to take down Trigon. Yeah, Meanwhile, Damien um, learns to love. Early on, takes. there's also a, a sort of weird subplot about um, Superman and, and Wonder Woman dating. Yeah. Just to keep it in continuity, basically. Yeah. I forgot about like, uh, that. So I, I, I thought that was low. I thought was lowest. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't help that there's I think there's been like three or four different actresses that have played Wonder Woman since that that design of the character and Fortunately, continuity. It's only been two. I think uh, <laughs> I think this is the third. I'm no, this, this, was, think, this was this was Rosario Dawson again. Yeah, this this movie was a mini Daredevil reunion. Yes, it was. Yeah, it, John it, was Michelle, it was Michelle Monaghan in the first one, then it's been Rosario Dawson. I thought there was another one after Michelle Monaghan and then Rosario Dawson. Okay, all right. So, so the second, anyways. So, yeah, so that John Bernthal is Trigon. Didn't sound like him at all. There also is a line uh, where they say the rising is coming, which is also in Daredevil season two. <laughs> it's very interesting parallels to Daredevil season two um, with those two stars on the line. Let's see. The. The resurgence or the, or the formation of the Legion of Doom. They called them the Legion of Doom or was it the Injustice yeah. League? I think it was no, the Legion, Legion of Doom. Doom. Yeah, it was the Legion of and Doom. News, in the and beginning. Newscaster so, says it very seriously. That's right, yeah. Um, that's not a laughable title for a villainous organization. And then the Teen Titans, apparently, like, they set it up as if the Teen Titans have been sort of around for a little bit because they have the T-shaped building. Right. But basically, it's for younger heroes to figure their shit out. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a Professor Xavier school. Starfire. Um, that Starfire is the is the eldest. The eldest and, sex object of the group. Right. And, uh, you, you get the sense that, you know, there was a, a, a young, an older team that had Nightwing on it that, that had uh, But Starfire. what's unfortunate is that because they have wanted to diversify the Justice League, which is not unfortunate, but they've had to make Cyborg a founding member. Now he was never a member of the Teen Titans, and that's sad, because I liked Cyborg as an elder statesman of the Titans. So they sort of have, like, a... uh, Like, they even um, use the line, Teen Titans, go! Which is terrible. So they have sort of like a mini-reunion of the Teen Titans go team, where uh, uh, Cyborg is the first one that they knock the Trigon out of him, and he... You know, goes along with the Titans to help out. So it's it's just weird. That was like, a good show too. I miss. I, it didn't have the the continuity of Young Justice, but that theme song was great. I just and there are a lot of fans of that too. So this is I understand part of it why is that they, you know, instead of saying okay, what makes the most sense story wise, it's we have to mimic what's happening in another uh, show or medium. So 
here the Teen Titans is the version of the Teen Titans Go. It's the same lineup adding with with the added addition of Blue Beetle. I mean, I guess it makes sense for a team that is seasoned, but if you're introducing the team for the first time, you know you're losing a lot of great stories, including you know the coda for this movie was that was you you saw Terra from the uh, the Judas Contract story coming to the t- tower, which if they want to do that story with this team, it will, it will make no sense whatsoever. That that story right. works because of the characters that were involved. It sort of yeah. and it sort of begs the question: like, what was that previous Teen Titans team that Dick right. and Starfire would have been on? Like, if Terra wasn't involved in it, so I guess I don't know. Maybe Cyborg wasn't Wally. there. Right. Yeah, Wally. Wally was, I think, sorely needed. I think if yeah. they'd introduced a Cute Flash, that would have actually gone a long way towards providing a sense of cohesion with the team. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, they're just not using Wally anymore ever again, even though lots of us like him. He's on the Flash team. They're too. also, um, with the carnival stuff, they're playing around with the... Uh, they were playing off the idea of Damien as being likable <laughs> and, and uh, some kind of budding relationship with Raven, which is kind of an interesting pairing. I liked Raven a lot, actually, in the movie. I like Raven in this. It's, it should have been a Raven movie because it's about Trigon, her dad. Yeah, like I think I think the Raven stuff was kind of interesting, but the, pairing her with this, at least this iteration of Damien, is just uh, sort of taken out. Like, no, I don't. No one likes Damien, like, and especially this Damien. So I, I really didn't, I didn't buy that. And I think you, they didn't earn it. Like, the, I think you need to spend much more time with the Teen Titans. And there's even a like, there's a portion of this where. Raven's like, okay, and we're gonna split up now. And like, this is, and it felt like, oh, this is the end of the movie. And then there was a whole other act left over. So it felt like, like that would have been the end of part one, you know, and then, you know, more episodes featuring the Teen Titans and like getting us to this point where you can have the, um, the gravity of, of Trigon breaking them up. And so it's, it's, it was a very, it was very difficult trying to suss out how you were supposed to how you were supposed to feel about these characters yes. and the dynamic between them and how they felt about themselves and i feel like it didn't just like jump from we don't like each other i almost burnt damien's face off yeah, uh, to, to to uh to we really like each other we're best buds i felt like it zigzagged around like they liked each other then they didn't like each other then they liked and it just was not cohesive yeah where was the oversight consistent. like no no consequence to damon getting his face burned off that was yeah, yeah, it was... him up. so let's let's talk if anything except except, except a great line i'm sorry one what? great line where it was like this is going to be an awkward phone call to batman oh <laughs> <laughs> i mean let's that's that segues into what i was want to talk about which okay there were some things i enjoyed right and I thought I thought Brian Q. Miller wrote a, there were a lot of funny lines or bits. You know, he mm-hmm. do, he does write Robin really well. I thought Robin's sequence in the opening when he's on crowd control and the way he controls the crowd, I thought was very funny. That was good. Were, and there yeah. was some good. There was some funny stuff going. I liked the joke about when they talk about Superman pulling the moon out of the sky and it stops Batman in mid conversation. He hasn't he hasn't talked about doing that, has he? Um, <laughs> like I like that. Those were those were like funny funny bits. But uh, I also liked a lot, and I saw, I saw people mention this as a Sailor Moon-esque uh, device, but I, to me it just reminded me of all the cartoons from the 80s I watched, was the costume change at the carnival for each, each of the characters when they sort of got their own little montage of... Co- uh, it was, but the only one that bugged me was, like, it 
the camera pans around Starfire's butt like twice, and right. it just was a little creepy. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the one that particularly reminded me of Sailor Moon, and that's going back to the 80s or 90s as well for, for Sailor Moon. So, but like, I really, but I, I do see, like, the other characters, like the introduction of, of Beast Boy and, like, like all the, the Teen Titans Go stuff. It's not, it's definitely not mimicking, it's definitely not all mimicking Sailor Moon. It's definitely not mimicking the Teen Titans Go stylistic intro which is itself kind of anime based but not that anime it's it does feel like yeah like the old school introduction of yes. heroes like, I, I always like, like that like felt like voltron thundercats you know? or super yeah. friends or yeah exactly so um that was so that was a lot of fun um i also really like the design of the demons and yep. like all the creepy like hell stuff like when they would like like sort of like fall over and then like their backs would, like, swell up and yeah and and sort of explode out and all the snake creatures and stuff I, th- I think there was some some definite imagination and thought to okay what is this iteration of hell or azeroth or all this stuff going to look like and it's not always just easy choices like you know pitchforks and you know, and and horns and stuff. It's there's there's some other, you know, uh, inspiration going on there. One thing I wanted to mention that I don't know that we've ever sort of talked about in these. I really like the score to this, hmm. and I'm not talking about those the, the found music like the soundtrack stuff. I'm talking about the score itself. Frederick Weidman. Usually, they're very just typical like amped up superhero action scores this one i felt like there was an element of fantasy to it and even some like some really gloomy and melancholic music for all the raven stuff and i thought that was kind of it like it it made me feel like lord of the rings in certain instances that that goes along with what i felt like it was a bit more i hate to say adult because it's a cartoon but it felt a bit more sophisticated in terms of the way it was put together The, the score was a little bit better the the musical yeah. montage, as weird as it was, felt more sophisticated. Like it felt like this more like a teen film than a teen animated film. It was mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's that uh, is, yeah, that is interesting. So I'd be curious. Um, I know that there are listeners of iFanboy who are young enough to upset Connor. I would be curious. I would love some feedback in like emails or the comment section on the website uh, if younger people watched this and had a different reaction than we did. Well, let's get to that. Let's, that's, like, that's like a wrap-up question. We still have some more stuff to talk about. Okay. I'm just curious. I know. You're, <laughs> you're a scientist. I mean, it's, it's, it's natural. What data? I actually looked up the credits for the the crew because I thought that... We've, we discussed before how, how bad a lot of the voice acting has been, which is strange because one of the hallmarks of these DC animated projects has always been the great voice work. And I thought this, this particular movie had some really standout, terrible performances. And it wasn't Andrea Romano doing the voice directing. It was oh, it was someone named Wes Gleason, and I don't know. I haven't looked at the other films because this this stood out to me, so I looked it up. But I wonder if she has stopped doing these because I thought the guy doing the Flash made some really weird choices that he hadn't made in the past. He had like a weird yes. accent going. I thought it was a new actor. I thought the guy doing I did too. Ra- I Ghul was terrible. Yeah, Rosal Ghul was pretty bad. I mean, we know the problems that that we've had with uh, Batman, but like. I just thought on the whole it was a very iffy voice work, and mm-hmm. for a company who has made an- animations for twenty five years that have been uh, exemplary in terms of voice casting and voice work, I was pretty surprised. 
Uh, I'm looking up. I'm going to look up Andrea Romano right now. See what would the la- the last one she worked on because she she has been doing them uh, up until very recently. Yeah, we, yeah. I, I remember like, seeing her in extras and stuff. Well, I go see her speak. I used to go watch the premieres uh, in one of the New York, and she would be one of the people that would, would be there. Um, also, I'm while you're looking it up, well, we need to talk about Dick Grayson. I'm a little worried about him. <laughs> uh, do you think he's got like a gambling problem because he only seems to own one outfit and he's got that Bruce Wayne money? Yeah. So does he spend? Is he spending his money on the ponies because he only has the one shirt, the one pair of pants, and the one gold chain? And he's one maybe f- maybe he's spending all of his money on high speed internet access so he can get that high res shot of Starfire when they're skyping. Well, yeah, wouldn't you? But uh, maybe that's why he's not getting anywhere with her because he only because that gold chain. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, he's he's got access to to bat planes. He could fly to her. They don't have to keep the relationship. I could be there distance. in fifteen minutes. I've got the bat wing. I will fly it to your window. What do you find, Paul? Anything? Okay, so she did Batman Assault on Arkham, Son of Batman, Batman Assault. Assault on Arkham. That's the same thing. Why is that listed twice? Um, Batman versus Robin and Justice League Gods and Monsters. Huh. So she didn't do. So bad she blood. didn't do Bad Blood. At least that's not that's not listed. Interesting. And were there any else that were missing? Well, this so this Wes Gleason guy he did. Just League vs. Teen Titans, and he did Batman Bad Blood. Mm. Interesting. She's also, 2015 to present, is ongoing on the adventures of Puss in Boots. So maybe the TV show is keeping her busy. But, I mean, that doesn't... I mean, that wouldn't take every month out of the year. You know, like, I don't know, but maybe there was just some conflict stuff. But It was interesting. I, it was just so glaring that I actually that I was surprised. And then I looked it up and realized it wasn't her. So... This was this was rough. I felt like he didn't know what it wanted to be. You know, it was a Teen Titans movie, but it had Justice League shoehorned in very awkwardly. When I realized, like, oh, right, they have to do the Justice League versus Teen Titans, they're going to have them fight. And they set up this thing where they're, the Justice League wants to take Raven in to figure out this Trigon situation. And the Teen Titans are like, no, she's our friend. And they're like, are they going to get into a fight because of that? And then they have the crutch of, oh, Trigon's going to take over the Justice League members. Right. and But that only itself only lasts like a couple seconds. Yeah, it was so weird. They did not spend much time versus each other. Well, because it wouldn't it wouldn't last very long. The fight it just it it felt like okay we're gonna do a Teen Titans movie but we need to have that Justice League moniker over it and we've got this versus thing going on in 2016 so right 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 right, right. like it feels like let's make a reason like let's conjure up some circumstance where they're going to fight each other and it feels very forced very false and. Um, but then they found out the that Gars and Raven's moms were both named Martha, oh. but Jaime's was named Marta. So we're at the, we're at the point now where that joke isn't funny anymore, but soon it will be funny again. Okay. <laughs> well, fortunately, this podcast will be up forever. Right. So anything more in this one? Before, <laughs> you're from now, you're welcome. Before we move on to the next film, but anything else? So, so Ryan wants to know from younger listeners, maybe in your 20s, uh, how you felt Most, about this movie? You, so, like me, yeah, like you. I think they get. I, I think they get some of the clothes right. Like I could see teens dressing like that to go to the carnival, like with the she, the sneakers and the sort of the skinny jeans and the. I would just hats. need to isolate Paul saying, "I can see teens dressing like that." Oh. Gotcha. Yep. 
I'm just saying, like, like comics is very bad at like doing like teen fashion and like hair and stuff. And yes, correct. There and like more, more and more like lately, there are people who are getting better at that. Like in the in the Jamie McKelvey school of not making everyone look like they're from the 70s or 80s. And, Astro City, we're looking at you. Yeah, and so I think they get that at least right in the Teen Titans aspect of it. I, I like like you said, the, these character designs are pretty good. They I didn't, do a good I didn't dislike this movie. It was just kind of meh. And I know meh is a word that drives some people insane, but that's how I felt. It's not, so not a word. Yeah, it's not a word. Matt is used in this movie in the Dance Dance Revolution rating system for your moves. Like if you, I guess if you miss a rhythm step, uh, like Matt shows up on the screen and that, that annoyed me quite a bit. But anyways, yeah, this, so this was, I, I, I think at this point I, I don't go in with high expectations at all, even with, you know, Brian Q. Miller on there. Yeah. I, I think, I think without Brian Q. Miller, this would have been a lot worse. Yes. It would have had um, none, none of the wit that it had. I yeah, I get this. I get the sense that he wasn't the problem here. I I mean, he, he and he has TV chops. Uh, you know, not just it's not just a comics writer coming in and not understanding the form. It's just I think there were other cooks in the kitchen, and that got in the way. And when his stuff came to the surface, it was like, okay, that, I'm kind of into that. But but otherwise, I think this was. I, I agree with you. It was kind of a mess. One day, there's going to be a really great book written about why DC is so in on Damien. Why they've got <laughs> somebody's being blackmailed. Are you like a Damien truther now? Is this what's happening? I, I did it. There has to be a reason. Damien truther. We're going to see a YouTube video from you called like Loose Wayne, and it's all about uh, there's, your there's just there, there has to be a reason. There has to be. They can't just be holding on to the magic that he brought in the beginning because that ended relatively quickly. You know, Grant Morrison is a noted warlock. Maybe he put a spell on Dan DeVio. He cast a spell that, like, so long as I'm alive, Damien will be a popular and used character. So let's talk about the next one, which I'm going to go back to the very beginning and say I'm hopeful for. I just can't help myself. It's, so it's the killing joke. And I assume, because you guys watch this. Oh, boy. You guys watch this digitally, so neither one of you watched the featurette on this, I assume. No, but I saw the YouTube trailer on the YouTubes. I think that was the uh, yeah the pirated version. So thanks for that. Thanks for helping oh. destroy the industry. Sorry, no, I just I saw a thing. I so now to here's see it. here's why I'm hopeful, and you guys can feel free to chastise me. Number one, Bruce Tim is back as executive producer for this. Right. Uh, the last time he was back was for Gods and Monsters. We all know how that went. It was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Uh, number two is this the original voice cast. And now I'm not one of those people that thinks that it always has to be these guys, but these are the guys that set the bar. Yeah. Uh, so Kevin Conroy is Batman, Mark Hamill is the Joker. That people, but, yeah. yeah, Tara Strong is Batgirl. Those are all the original voices. Ray Wise from Twin Peaks as Jim Gordon, uh, who was very good in the uh, little. Oh, interesting. Together. Yeah, you know it's it's hard to go. I think I was trying to figure out what it was about these movies that don't go right, and I really do. Th- you know, when Tim left, they just sort of fell off a cliff, and every, when he did come back, it was. It was like the old movies again, so I think that this has a real good chance of being very good. Now I know that Paul, you probably don't like the Killing Joke. It's I'm I'm not I'm not wild about it. I I, I think Alan Moore even doesn't like aspects of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so many years removed. I just I, I I don't like seeing that stuff happen to to Jim and to uh you know and to Barb. Right. So 
yeah, not my favorite story. Are uh, we going to see a bunch of think pieces when it comes out explaining why it is or isn't a good story, even regardless of how the movie does? Or yeah, is? I mean, yeah, certainly. I was um, hoping to I, see, I think... we see Commissioner Gordon Balls. I really I have my fingers crossed. They're actually, they, they talk about they had to expand it because the, the, the story itself is actually very short. Yeah, yeah. it is. So it's slim volume. They've had to expand it out. So they they said that a lot of it is just Batgirl in the beginning so that you get to know her and are attached to her. Because uh, they so. teased her at the end of Bad Blood. No, no, no. This is, oh, this, this, is, not this, a is this is not a continuity story. So it's Barbara Gordon Batgirl in the old, in the old Bat, Batgirl costume. And you know, there's going to be a lot of her... You know, fighting crime before she runs into the Joker, so that you get a you know, because it all happens very quickly once that happens. The story goes over. I I wonder if that is their means of doing a little bit of a Batgirl Year One right adaptation without doing a Batgirl could Year be, One adaptation. Be. So I mean, maybe that maybe that aspect of it. I mean, I'm gonna check it out. Uh, it's still not excited about it. Right. Does Bruce Tim coming back do anything for you? Sure. Okay. Um, I just, I guess, I would say that I wish that he and you know, and the voice team, like, were using their talents elsewhere. Like, I, I like, I loved Gods and Monsters because it was such, uh, it was so different. It was a completely yeah. new, original thing, and it was surprising and really refreshing, right. while still feeling like almost a return to form. Right. So uh, I'd I'd like more of that, like more of that, or com- or something completely different. Watching the feature, it was interesting because there was a lot of behind the scenes footage of them recording, and the way that Mark Hamill fully embodies that voice, that he the, the physicality he puts into performing the voice is really interesting to watch. And, yeah, that uh, I'm interested in. I'm interested to see like him being the Joker. And uh, Bruce, I think it was Bruce Tim. It might, it might have been Mike Carlin, but I think it was Bruce Tim talking about how kind of creepy it is when he's. Doing the Joker voice, like they don't. Uh, I think I think the line was, "I don't know where it comes from, but it comes somewhere, somewhere deep inside Mark, and it's kind of terrifying." Mm. He just fully inhabits that that voice. It's pretty amazing. But I'm looking forward to the Killing Joke. Comes out in the summertime. Now, real quick before we go, last time we talked about, I think it was last time, maybe. You know what will the future be? Because before, for Bad Blood, they hadn't revealed the DC Rebirth news, and as we know. Right. Following his movies from from the beginning, they followed this arc of the comics, so that we had the pre fifty two stories, Flashpoint. Then we had a Flashpoint movie, and then we changed into the new world of the new fifty two. So now I'm wondering if we're going to get a DC Rebirth movie, and then after that, follow that continuity into whatever we're doing here. Because I can't imagine they'll continue on with this new fifty two characterizations. Yeah, I mean, even even watching this has felt like an artifact with Superman and Wonder Woman. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with that post, you know. Well, even rebirth. his costume with this dumbass collar that goes up. It just felt like that's not even in the comics now. So I'm curious. And like the sleeve thing, like yeah. how it goes onto his hands, like that stuff. Is that still in it? I, yeah, I looked at the he's, design. He's got the a little day, bit of that in the new design. Got a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a pointed sleeve. But I'm curious now if, we, you know, they'll be announcing. You know, next year DC Rebirth will be will be uh, it'll probably call Justice League Rebirth or something. But you know, if that'll be the next movie, because I'm I'm more than happy to get beyond these these characters, these settings, these actors, and try something new. But we'll see. I got my fingers crossed. I mean, no matter what, the Damien actor kid is gonna like voice out of it. <laughs> you know, we're not, they're not gonna be able to do it anymore. So uh, hopefully. Like either they'll like rebrand it as a rebirth thing, or some great stories will come out of rebirth, and they'll just grab those. 
you know, maybe something out of the, you know, maybe the, the Superman story that, um, the new Superman story that Gene Loon Yang is going to be telling, right. maybe that'll be, it'll take off in a real big way and they'll do something on that. You'd think with the popularity of Flash show, they, they, they do a Flash one, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you had something you want to talk to people about? Yes, good people of the iFan base, I am asking for your help because I am a scientist, as is often joked about on these shows, and science costs money, so I am doing a crowdfunding campaign to try to raise a little bit of money for my science. Um, This project is looking at the ecology of sloths, uh, living sloths, to try to connect those uh, animals to their fossil relatives, the giant ground sloths, so using some uh, chemical proxies and... I'm trying to raise money for it. So the campaign is being run through experiment.com. You can see my project at experiment.com slash sloths. And I'm part of a challenge program where if I finish the campaign with the most number of backers, so even if people just go and give $1, I get an extra $1,000 from the website at the end of the campaign. So it's going really well so far. I've got some stretch goals in mind if we reach our main goal. And if any fan people want to help out. Sloth World. Sloth Park. You go into the, the uh, Amber. Dude, the sloth sanctuary where where I'm doing this work uh, in Costa Rica, it has, like, the giant gate at the front of it, and it does feel bad. Yeah, the first time I drove up to it, I didn't know what to expect, and, you know, they've got, like, a guard, because people people would try to break in and do weird stuff with sloths. So, you know, they have some security. Yeah, the first time I pulled up to it and was waiting for the guard to open the gate, I was just humming the... So, So why sloths? We don't really know that much about sloths, so they're they're really enigmatic. They're super weird. They uh, have really low body temperatures for mammals, so mammals obviously maintain an internal temperature, and these guys are closer to ambient temperature of the air around them. They poop once a week. Uh, they're so slow that algae grows on them, and they're super picky eaters, and so we just don't... And they're, they're hard to observe. Like, you look up in the trees, and they're not doing anything, so I'm trying to use other kinds of techniques to understand what these animals are doing with their lives without having to observe them all the time directly. And that is going to be a really helpful data set for people who want to know more about sloth ecology and conservation. But then I also want to see if those proxies will work for their fossil relatives because you can't observe a fossil. And this kind of connection between these two groups hasn't really been done yet. So typically ground sloths are just compared to other mega herbivores like uh, mammoths and mastodons, but their closest living relatives are right here, just waiting to be studied in this way, and it just hasn't been done yet. Are you attempting to capitalize on the recent success of Zootopia at all? No, I've been I've been studying sloths probably before Zootopia was even in production. So I didn't I did say you were, I didn't say you're, you're jumping on. I'm saying, are you going to use this to catapult your study into the stratosphere? I hadn't intended on it. I actually haven't seen Zootopia yet, but that the trailer has the sloth uh, DMV, which is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Sloths are slow. This is true. This is a true thing about sloths. But that slowness is really just efficiency. If you think about it, they're just moving the bare minimum amount to get the thing done. And that's that's laudable, not uh, laughable. All right. You know, the only animal we've named after a deadly sin. Come on. Cut them <laughs> a break. Now, when are you going to study spores, molds, and fungus? I don't have any intention of studying spores, molds, and fungus. Though I do have some fossil ground sloth poop in the lab right now it's uh, anywhere from 12 to thirty thousand years old and i was looking at it under the microscope and there might be some fungal spores in that okay what about the paranormal 
Uh, no, well, so among the folks at the Sloth Sanctuary, it is a prevalent theory that Sloths were sent here from another galaxy specifically to confuse biologists. And so there's maybe a paranormal element there that I can either prove or disprove by doing the work I'm doing. All right. Well, there you go. I've got a segue. I've got a segue. Okay. There's actually there's a sloth link to my new comic book, which will be coming oh, out. Yes. Okay. Maybe later this year or maybe next year. Uh, it's called The Margins. It's coming out from No Relation Fanbase Press. <laughs> they're they're rebranding themselves as Fanbase Press uh, in May, and uh, we're one of the uh, one of the books that that they're doing. And this is something that I co-wrote with David Acampo, friend of iFanboy, and the artist is Amanda Donahue. She has a background in animation, and this is her first comics work. And I'm not blowing smoke. It's really, really good. I've seen you know, some pages rolling in, which have been very exciting, and even her thumbnails look super polished, and the storytelling is so good. So really excited about that, and hopefully I'll be able to talk a little bit about it more in the coming months but we we're not even at the you know like pre-order this stage, so I'll update on that. But there is there is a sloth connection to that. There are some uh, goblin creatures in there, and as some of the reference, I suggested sloth arms, and like sloth hands. So there you go. Nice. There's a segue to to the margins, which is about fantasy, the worlds we create, escapism, and sort of our sense of ownership over the worlds we create. So that's a little tease as to what the margins is about. Well, there you go. So you've got you've got one science-based reality thing to support, and one fantasy make-believe thing to support. Yeah, I'm not I'm not shaking the coffers just yet, but uh, so uh, later on, I'll be I'll be hitting you guys up for uh, for pre-orders and things because I'm, I'm making comics now. In November, this November, destroying yeah. comics from the inside now <laughs> instead of from the outside. Well, there you go. So in the meantime, before that book hits and. Before Ryan finishes his Sloth Project, go to ifanboy.com. You can talk about this film. If you're young, tell us what you thought of it. Did it hit the right notes? Or was it hopelessly out I'm happy to entertain any Sloth-related questions in the comments section. If you're 70, tell us what you thought about this movie. I'm also interested. Yes. Uh, were you confused by the dancing? We don't even know how long Sloths live. We just don't know. Really? Because they're really hard to keep in captivity. Until they move really slowly? How, how's it hard? Because three-toed sloths in particular refuse to eat in captivity, typically. They, they're like great white sharks in that way. And yeah, so they just, they're really hard to keep in captivity. And the one at the sloth sanctuary, their kind of mascot, Buttercup, was uh, rescued by the sanctuary when she was only a few, like a very, very young sloth. Her mother was, um, I think, uh, killed by a car. She was hit by a car and Buttercup lived and they've been able to raise Buttercup. And she's like, she's a few years younger than I am. She's in her mid-20s. Which that's longer than mammal, I would think a sloth would live, yeah. That's interesting. Right, exactly. For a mammal like the size of Paul's dog, it's a long time, and she still goes, she's still sexually active, like she still goes into estrus once a month, so she's not even reaching old age yet, so it's pretty crazy. All right. She's a total deep. Segway from that, Connor. I got nothing. I'm just holding on, barely holding on. So, uh, head over to iFamily.com, talk about this show, you can listen to our weekly podcast, the Pick of the Week podcast where we talk about the week's books, and then you can look forward to our next Animation Brain Trust show in the summertime when we talk about The Killing Joke. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. And I'm Ryan. I'm just going to call you Sloth Man. You have to say it slower than that, though. Sloth Man. Mommy's all right.